This is News from the Peak. I'm Joe Mamlin. Well, it's almost a cliche now to say that 2020 was a hard year. People found ways to cope in the best way we could. And I think we all learned a lot about ourselves. I think people did what made the most sense to them. And of course, there's no right or wrong way to have gotten through this year. And there was certainly no easy way. But I did take some comfort in seeing the people around me who were able to lean into their creative side or their productive side or whatever it was that helped them get through. And of course, we all know nothing magical happened at the strike of midnight when 2020 ended. And while we are starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel, we know there's more coping and more endurance that will be needed. On today's show, we're very pleased to welcome Mike Smith. Mike's been a friend of mine since the early 80s. And in addition to his normal job, Mike's always been a musician and an artist and a very creative person. Most recently, Mike's been releasing music under the name Ocean Empire, and his latest release is called Summerland. We talked to Mike about how music has been a part of his life, what has influenced him, and we get some specific insights into this latest release. We're hopeful that this episode will provide some inspiration to our audience to find their own outlet. Maybe it's an instrument you once played. Maybe you've always wanted to paint or bake or run a marathon, whatever it is. We hope that this episode will spark some ideas for you and will help you lean into your creative side or your productive side or whatever that side is that's gonna help you. And I hope you'll enjoy the music and the conversation as much as we did putting it together. So stick around, it's gonna be a great episode and we'll be right back. Okay, well, we're really pleased to welcome my good friend, Mike Smith here. And I've known Mike for a, a long, long time. I won't say how long, to, so you can imagine it's both youthful. Um, but Mike's been doing music since I've known him. And we want to talk today about music and art and, and what it's been like during, you know, during this year. We've all been kind of locked in our houses. And um, for some people, that's given a chance to, to kind of lean on their creative side and do some things. And um, Mike, I, I want to just hear from you, like what your experience was like this year and how it affected you and in, in your creative life. Well, I, it allowed me to finish an entire album this year. I had a lot of songs that were sort of stragglers that were in various states of completion. And so uh, the business that I had been working for was a retail business and it closed due to COVID. So I found myself with lots of downtime and uh, I thought this is a perfect time to just jump in and give myself a focus and take these songs and polish them up and finish them off. A lot of them were at a point where maybe there was like a first verse done. It's all done on the computer. So you can just keep going back in and, and 
altering it as much as you want. And then I would say near the end, three or four songs that were new ended up getting created late in the game. And so it, you know, filled out the album and that was it. I was ready to go. I feel like some people got more creative and, you know, like read and trying new recipes and exercise. And then other people kind of more shut down, even though we had the time to do all those things, we didn't have the kind of mental capacity or the energy to do it. So it sounds like you, you really flourished. Can I say yes and no? I would say say that I uh, retreated into Netflix the same way that pretty much everyone else did for a while there and uh, just questioned everything. But then I thought you can only lie around so long and wonder about, you know, all the what ifs. And so my computer just said, was beckoning to me, come finish these songs. So that was just, that's how I spent the time. Well, and I think, you know, is like I said before, as long as I've known you, you've been doing music. And so I wonder if that, that was different for you because you already had that in your background. You already had some of those songs there to call you. Like how does, um, how does music play into your, how has, has it played into your life in general? Like how has it guided you through other things? Well, I'm one of those people that from the moment I wake up in the morning, there's a song like stuck in a loop in my head and it, and it may stay the same song or it may switch to a different song, but it runs the entire day and then until I put my head on the pillow and fall asleep. And then when I wake up the next morning, there's another song and it runs all day. So it's a little maddening in that respect, but I used to always sleep with headphones on. I had a nice flat pair of headphones when I was younger and would put on a cassette and fall asleep to music. So there, And then uh, my commute to work was like 22 and a half minutes. So I always had lots of time to hear music. I, I could hear pretty much an entire album in the commute to and from work <clears throat> where I was before. So I like that it was 22 and a half. Yeah. Cause mine was 24 and a half. So <laughs> we're those kind of people <laughs> with the, the counters. <laughs> That's funny. Well, it sounds like it was almost a little bit of therapy too, just to like have a sense of normalcy and not, you know, kind of escape. And I don't know if the album kind of reflected some of those feelings for you or was it, more fantasy or well I did start some of the songs back as far as 2015 those songs it was sort of nagging me that those songs were unfinished so and as soon as I had lots of free time you know my attention turned there but as far as music goes there's I've always got music on somewhere you know it's it's in the car it's in the house wherever I am I've got music on Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for brand new music. And Joe, you know that I'm always I'm always on the prowl for new music. I even started a Facebook page just for people that wanted to show off or, you know, if you've found a song you like, put it there in this little music group. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I call myself a music shark. I'm always like swimming around. You know, I never stop looking for new music. So that's probably different than most people. A lot of people in times when they need comfort, they fall back on old familiar songs and they feel nostalgic and they think of their college days or whatever, but I'm just the opposite. I want music that's out right now. I want to know what's going on now. I want to hear the latest thoughts and sounds. So that does affect how I listen to music and how I look for music. That's really interesting. And you, you may have influenced me when we hung out together in the eighties, because that's exactly how I look at it. Um, and I do find myself, I don't want to say at odds, but I do find myself like wondering why people, want to go back and listen to songs 
from 30 years ago over and over again. And I, I guess I get it, but I, I feel that same way. I like, I like to hear something new. It's something I haven't experienced before. Um, anyway. well, let me ask you both. Then let me ask you both this and I'm changing it up, but do you all like all kinds of genres of music or do you like a certain one that you're out on the prowl for you shark? <laughs> I, I lean heavily toward, uh, great chord music chords uh, the, the the texture of the song the chords the melody and then sometimes the lyrics i'm not much of a lyric guy there are songs that i've known for many 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 years and i couldn't even tell you what they're saying but i can tell you where the horns come in i can tell you where the strings come in i can tell you where the back when the background singers come in when the key changes yeah. you know so my brain kind of works that way and then people will say what's that song about and i'll, I'll say i have no, I, no clue no idea let's listen to it together and figure out what they're talking about so I'm one of those one of those people. But as far as styles of music, um, I I try to stay as open as I can. There are limits. I mean, I don't want to diss any specific genre during this podcast because I'm sure there are people that love everything, and I don't want them to to get uh, disgruntled if I say that I don't like this or that. I can say that the, of the songs that are out right at the moment. I'm really obsessed with the song Circles by Post Malone. Hmm. Oh, I love Post Malone. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that song. It run, That's one of the songs that will run in my head the entire day, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Oh. Yeah, Joe, I, yeah, I try to be you know, open-minded toward genres, too. And I, I guess I grew up just around people where I didn't experience much country music. But I think I've learned a lot more about that in the last few years. And I would just say in one way I'm different than you that I, I do pay attention to lyrics a lot and I, I love those songs for the stories and I also think anything done well is worth listening to I I think it's more to me like about the quality of the performance and the instrumentation and those things that draw me to a song more than the style do we all know the song Tennessee Whiskey the cover of Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton oh yeah, yeah. I mean Chris Stapleton I mean yeah. But for me, that song in particular, the first time I heard that, my jaw dropped and I then I had to hear more from him because it was just so phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, there, I don't know if you guys are YouTube people, but there are lots of videos of people reacting to that song, like the first time hearing it on YouTube. And it's fun to watch their reaction because I know what's coming and they don't. And they just, they flip out when he hits those high notes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love those reaction videos. Um they make it kind of a, a different perspective. It's like looking out into, you know, it's just a different perspective of listening to music, watching someone else hear it for the first time. Yes. And it, I feel like it's an instant shared bond because they groove on the same spots that you've loved for years or whatever. Yeah. And have you guys, can I ask another question, Joe? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Have you guys, has your taste in music changed over the years? Because both of you have stayed heavily into music um and, and joe like you said a lot of people kind of stall out like around high school college like whatever you're into then is kind of where you're at um have you and it feels like you guys may have kind of morphed or changed or evolved over the years i uh grew up in a fundamentalist christian household so we didn't get to hear music a lot when i was little we just heard church music <clears throat> which they called secular music, just to make it sound even worse at that point. <laughs> but <clears throat> as an adult, I wanted to hear everything. So it, I, I had to sort of explore everything from 
the, the 50s and 60s I wasn't really familiar with and really some of the 70s music I wasn't familiar with. So I sort of had to backtrack through those and learn those. And by hearing all of those, that does change your taste. Um, I think that that's, I think honestly, if you wanna just understand melody, 60s and 70s are the best places. Well, I'm sure people would argue with that, but um, 60s and 70s music, the melody seemed to be one of the most important factors. Mm -hmm. so, and then as you go into the 80s, it was more about the sounds and the textures and, and the attitude. But for just melody, like if you want to just, if you want to learn melody, just go look up Burt Backrack and listen to all of his songs and you'll get an understanding of how, how a melody runs. Yeah. And I'm sure somebody would say, no, Mozart, not Burt Backrack, Mozart. So everybody has a different viewpoint on that. No, I would agree with that. And I do, and I think taking it further than when you get into the 90s, it was kind of a combination of both, but they were playing with different instrumentations and it's just continued to evolve. And I think that's one of the things that's fascinating to me about at least popular music is just how people have pieced different things together. And like, you know, you're talking about the seventies, a lot of the songs that we listened to in the seventies that were like on the rock charts, um, the Doobie Brothers would be a country band now. I mean, I think it's those kinds of things have changed. Even the identif identification of styles have changed. So to answer Maureen's question, I do think my tastes have changed, but I think it's also just that it's music is kind of in, in some ways becoming more similar and crossing those boundaries. So it's not like you can be a fan of one genre because well, like you mentioned Post Malone, I mean, that um, I didn't know much about him, but I do know that you could call that rap, you could call it pop music, you could call it rock sometimes. It just depends on which song you're listening to. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I love all of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit more about your music in particular, Mike. And uh, you just, in the intro, I mentioned your, you, I want to say produce, you put your music out under the name Ocean Empire. And is that strictly you? Are you doing everything on these recordings or do you have... That's all me. It's all me. Every bit of it. Talk a little bit about, if you will, the album Summerland. And you said some of it started in 2015. And what what is it about? I mean, in your mind, and maybe people can take take their own meaning from it. But what was it about for you? Well, I tried not to be too obvious in any of the songs. But like you said, there are people who really listen to lyrics. And so as they listen to any of those songs, they're going to draw their own conclusions, but they're also probably going to pick up on the fact that it's sort of thematic all the way through. There's a lot of songs about, it kind of covers all of the aspects of spirituality, not so, not really religion, but it covers spirituality as far as uh, life and death and the afterlife and reincarnation and uh, cosmic energy and all of those things. It's not preachy in any way, but, um, those are all things that were, had been on my mind and had been affecting me. Mm -hmm. And uh, having a couple of friends who had spouses who passed, we ended up talking about those subjects a lot more. You know, <clears throat> on the phone, we would talk about, um, I have one friend who kept hearing noises in the house and she would ask me, you know, do you think that that's my husband, you know, trying to reach me? So we talked about things like that. And the song Miss Me on the album is sort of about my friend and uh, the fact that she keeps wondering if if he's around, around her, near her, and she has d concluded that he is. So that song is sort of is sort of from his perspective, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. it's sort of him saying, you don't have to miss me because I'm right here. So, <clears throat> but another person might hear that and think that you're talking about a pen pal from Venezuela. You know, you don't know exactly what that's about. Well, and to me, that's one of the great things about music in general is that we can take from it what you want. I was listening to some songs by Taylor Swift yesterday and thinking, you know, boy, you could really take a lot of different meanings from what she's saying. And I think your songs are the same way, but I think that's why people, that's why it has a wide appeal and people can draw from it what they want to draw from it. Um, Don't you think the same could be said of, of art and paintings and photography that it's open to interpretation. If somebody paints a picture of clouds, somebody's going to see a rabbit and somebody's going to see a rocket ship. So it just depends on what you bring to it and your own personal experiences sometimes. And speaking of that, and I want to get back to your album in a minute, but you know, you also do visual art. Did that ramp up or down in 2020? Down. <laughs> if I'm working on music, I can't really paint. If I'm painting, I can't really do music. My brain apparently, I'm running out of random access memory in my head. So okay, good. one or the other. Good. I had a question about um, kind of that ties the two together, but do you think, I know that we talked that you did, um, you know, your career, you had careers that were outside of music. Do you think that if music had been your career, it would feel differently to you? Is, does it feel more special because it's a hobby or do you have thoughts think, about that? Oh, I think that is absolutely true. I don't, I really don't know how I would respond if music was a chore to me because right now it's just a joy. I don't have to worry about, about that. Uh, I probably would not be as interested, I'm afraid, if it was something that I did all day, every day. Hmm. Because, um, you know, when, when does, once you're doing that, your ears get tired, you know, or your eyes get tired if you're a visual person. So I don't know how you ramp up any magic for yourself when it's, a, it's essentially a chore you know. Mm -hmm. Did you ever in your life, like earlier on, think, think of making it a career? Or has it, have you always felt that way about it? I think that uh, I psyched myself out as far as the amount of training. Like I don't have, I, I'm a, I'm a, a piano lesson dropout. So I think <laughs> I, I bought a piano when I was probably 14, 14 or 15. I bought a piano and uh, I went to lessons. It was a lady that lived down the road and I would go down to her house and uh, she knew I was faking it. I would make, I would trick her into playing the song before I would go in and sit down. Or when I would, when I would leave and she'd say, here's your lesson for next week. I would say, well, how does it go? And she would play it for me. And I would just go home and kind of run off of what she had played. But I was never good at reading notes. Some people just don't have that gene where they look at notes on the staff and can make I just I don't I don't decipher that well in my head it's like typing mm -hmm. I took a year of typing in school and I still just hunt and pack it doesn't matter you can't teach me anything Joe <laughs> <laughs> so I'm one of those people and I think that Paul McCartney admitted that he can't read music at all and that everything he does is just um, it's just all play by ear and then he kind of depends on somebody else to like write down all the notation for stuff he's done he mm -hmm. did an entire oratorio um, yeah with no, no knowledge of what the notes look like on paper. So it can be done and computers help a lot. Honestly, now you can, you can diddle a little melody on the, on the computer. You can press one button and it will, 
it will transfer the entire thing to staff notes and create the sheet music for you and you can print it out. Yeah. So there are a lot of cheat methods. And I cheat a lot. In making music, I cheat a lot. Yeah. Well, and I've been doing some, uh, I do like the intro and exit music to this podcast. And I've been doing a little bit of composing kind of because I don't have anybody to play with. So I do it myself. And I'm the same way. Like I'm not a big, like I can't, I know what the notes are, but I'm not a sight reader. Um, I was like, let's not tell your dad that you're about to confess you don't know how to read music. <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, but the technology has changed a lot. And I think that's an interesting point. And, and, you know, maybe had technology been like this when you started, maybe it would have, you know, that's, I think, another barrier to people, I'll just say our age, getting into music as a career was, it was harder to access, you know, getting your music out to the public. There was no Spotify. There was no you know, creating a multi-track recording was a, was a hard thing to do that you had to have special equipment for. Now almost anyone can do it. So how do you, how do you think that's a changed um, music in general or music for you? Well, surprisingly, just between the album before this and this album, it changed drastically for me. Uh, I was using one company where you pay them a good amount of money and you send the music off, you send off your artwork and all that. They wanted physical copies of the CD so you send that off to them and then they, they, they were going through and doing all the distribution. And now I switched to a different uh, distribution company and it was much easier. I was able to just send them the, the, file, the digital files for the album cover front and back. And then I did send them a physical CD because they want to be able to just pop it in and, and then basically uh, do all of the duplication at once. Mm -hmm. So they probably have a jillion uh, you know, CD recorders mm -hmm. so as far as the actual physical cd that was so much different and then this other company uh does the distribution in such an amazing way that i sent them all the stuff i signed on you know signed on the dotted line and two days later the album with the artwork was up on on itunes it was on amazon music it was on youtube in two days wow. so it went from you know zero to a hundred in, in two days and then They've also put it on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Tidal, Pandora, supposedly Pandora. Some people say their stuff doesn't show up. It's even uh, available as TikTok video music, which makes me laugh because, you know, I'm old enough now that I can't picture, you know, a teen wanting to dance to this music, let alone actually doing it. So, you know, but it's still interesting to me. Uh, maybe we can convince one of Maureen's kids to do a TikTok video just for you. With your right well i did i did play some for addison on the drive up to the mountains last night and i did tell her about the tiktok video and we laughed because um dog face is the guy who did a cranberry commercial or he did a tiktok but he's holding a carton of cranberry juice but he's um in the background is fleetwood mac so all of these kids now are listening to fleetwood mac that never would have heard fleetwood mac music because of tiktok so yeah. <clears throat> you never know mike yeah. <laughs> what are you saying, Maureen, that my chances are good? <laughs> that I might be a TikTok star somehow? I'm Very saying right when, you least, right when you least expect it. <laughs> Yikes. So I do want to, um, speaking of Fleetwood Mac, I know that that's, we've talked about them before, and I think there, there's some influence of, of that band. Are there other bands that have influenced you through the years that maybe influenced your style or your record, or at least even this album? Well, 
I I'm gonna I'm gonna age myself here. Uh, as a little kid, I I just sort of just missed out on the Beatles, but I was just coherent at the point where the Monkees came along, mm-hmm. and those are very much the two and a half minute. Uh, hit the intro. Here's the first verse. Here's the chorus. Have a second verse. Here's the chorus again. The song fades out, and you're done. So that has always kind of stuck in my mind as sort of like a blueprint for what I like to do. So I was I was obsessed with the monkeys as a little kid, and anybody who's in my age range probably was the same. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we didn't have uh, we didn't listen to the radio in the house except a little bit of like uh, the Ray Khan of singers or somebody like that that uh, would have been he's considered now like Muzak for elevators. My dad liked that stuff. So I know all those old songs as well. But then as I got a little bit older, I would say the next jump was when we got it. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this. We got an eight track player in the car. So now you, the people are saying, wow, this guy's a lot older than we thought he was. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, they bought, they bought uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Greatest Hits and they bought um, The Best of Bread, which is a great, like easy listening guitar based sort of sound and then they bought the carpenters greatest hits and i got very obsessed with the carpenters uh at a time when everybody else in my school was listening to black sabbath and led zeppelin i was the kid listening to the carpenters so and i don't mind that you know they they wanted they want they got what they wanted from music and i got what i wanted for music plus you know at that age it was parent approved so i could listen to that as much as i wanted yeah and uh i learned i would say i learned everything that i know about harmony and melody and arrange, how to arrange songs from that first Carpenter's Greatest Hits album. Because I listened to it so much that I kept hearing patterns emerge mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So then as I got a little bit older, it was more, I kind of drifted into very electronic music. I was obsessed with Devo for a long time, which <laughs> jumping from the Carpenter's to Devo tells you everything you need to know about my poor brain. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then uh, after, after Devo, um, there's a, a female artist, British artist named Kate Bush. I was obsessed with her for a while. And <clears throat> she writes beautiful, strange songs. And most currently, I would say that the sound that I like the best is a group called Empire of the Sun. They had a hit called Walking on a Dream, which you would hear from, like, I think a car commercial used that song. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I love their sound. I love the texture. I love the melodies. I love everything about them. That's I great. want them to do a new album, please. Well, it's funny because I, I learned about Kate Bush from you and Yaz. And a lot of those groups were around when, when we were spending more time in the same place. Um, so tell me about some songs on the album that stand out to you and maybe some influences there. I know we were talking the, the other day about, um, I am, I'm sorry, I don't remember which one that has the melodies that you were saying reminded you of a Fleetwood Mac song. So I would say that the bass and drums there's a song called Miss Me on the album. Like we talked about that for a second. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the one that reminds me the most of Fleetwood Mac because it has an electric piano. It has drums. I love the way that Mick Fleetwood plays because he's very no-nonsense. When you're listening, what you hear from him initially is just how steady the beat is. But on repeated listenings, you notice that he has added a lot of little things mm-hmm. drum-wise that the first time through you might not even have noticed. Yeah. I totally, well, as a drummer, I can appreciate that. And he's actually a drummer I've looked up to. Steve Gadd's the same way. It's, he's time like a clock, but when you really listen, listen to it, there's those little nuanced things that are pretty incredible. So let's listen to Miss Me a little bit. 
Are there, are there other parts of the album that particularly stand out to you or that you've gotten really good reactions from people or it, how's it been going out there? You had asked me about influences and I would say that the title track Summerland to me uh, reminds me of a group called Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, which is a, an 80s synth band that's still around and they're still actually making really, really good solid albums. Um, so that's worth listening to if you want to hear kind of state of the art keyboards with almost sometimes their melodies border on like simple folk melodies mm -hmm. their chord structure is very is very simple they don't go all jazzy they just stay very straightforward and so i would say that summerland probably some people would hear that and say my, my i have a friend who lives in the uk and when i said in the album he said he got a, an omd vibe from from the song Summerland. Other things on the album, um, there's a song called "Options," and the 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 first the first minute of that song is sort of an homage to another British pop guy from the '80s named Nick Kershaw, mm -hmm. and he had a song called "Bring on the Dancing Girls," and uh, I was just goofing with the drum sounds, and as soon as I hit those drum sounds, as I was flipping through the computer looking for sounds. I was like, oh, that sounds like Bring On The Dancing Girls. So then I started goofing with that and kind of expanding it. And then it ended up being an entire song. Sometimes when you sit down at the computer, you, you fiddle around and nothing really comes of it. And then the next time you might finish it beginning to end or at least get the full structure. And that was one of those songs where I had the entire structure. I was very happy with it. And then ironically later, I completely scrapped the middle section of the song, which you can do with the computer. I erased the entire center section of that song and replaced it with all different chords, all different uh, melody and different right. words. Yeah. Tell me about the song 1111. That that one stands out to me too. Does that have a particular meaning to you or is it just, I mean, it's catchy. It's a toe tapper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of people like that because they're attracted to the fact that it's catchy, first of all. And then that uh, I'll have people say, oh, that happens to me too. So the, the point of the song is, uh, and this happens to me in real life, I will often uh, suddenly look over at a clock and notice that it says 11.11. And um, 
that'll happen at night. It'll happen in the morning. And it could be hours where I've not even thought about what time it is. And I whip my head around and by golly, it was 11, 11 again. And so that has stuck in my head. And I've talked to different people who say that they feel that there, there is a, those are considered like, that's considered an angelic number. I don't really know quite what that means. I know people that make a wish on 11, 11. When they oh, say. that's cool. Okay. So that was the, the, so once I came up with the line, the clock says 11, 11, could that be a message from heaven? It's a very simple rhyme, but that's really the, the crux of the whole song is, is somebody, am I missing something? Am I, should I be paying attention right now to something? So that's what that song is about. You know, it, it's somebody trying to let me know that I'm on the right path. It's somebody saying, uh, beware or, or, or what reason are you having now to, to focus your attention in this moment? So that's what that song's about. And it's, and I like the, the, there are fake string sounds in that song near the end that I really like. So yeah. I will, sometimes I'll skip ahead to the end of that song so that I can hear the string sounds. The clock said 11, 11. Could that be a message from heaven? Is someone trying to tell me something that I need to know? And it's, uh, we talked a little bit about this, about, you know, you just mentioned, and I'm going to say easy with air quotes that no one can see easy. It is to, to create the music, to make adjustments to it, to do things. So what, what can people out there who maybe want to get involved in this, what should they take from this? Is this something that, you know, if you have an interest in music and you want to start creating yourself, what do they need? What, how do we get going? I think that there are enough different types of software and different programs out there that you could you could go as simple or as complex as you wanted to, you know, from the get-go. For somebody who just wanted to just fiddle around and they used an Apple computer, GarageBand is a great introduction because there are a lot of pre-recorded beats and even keyboard parts and things for people who they know they want to do something, but they don't really feel like they have the chops to do it. Other people use, I, I would say the most soft popular software now is Ableton Live or just Ableton yeah. is the brand name. And uh, it has kind of a tough learning curve. It's one that I have not explored yet, but I'm getting close to switching over to Ableton because it's much more the industry standard than it was originally. Outside of computer music, can someone learn like my age in the forties bracket? Can someone learn a new instrument? Like if they have always wanted to play the piano and maybe never try can you learn an instrument this late in life or is it too late it is not too late for you maureen you're just <laughs> beginning you're just a babe in the woods well it kind of also depends on what you want to do if you if you like to sing and you just want to have something to accompany no. you singing <laughs> you would like to sit down and play like a simple beethoven piece or something like that well not, and not, i'm not yeah actually if it were me i would love to be able to pick up a guitar at a campfire and just sing like you know just know a couple of melodies but i've always thought well i didn't learn it as a kid so it's not possible now well you know uh what i have to say to that is the artist Paul Gauguin left his banking job and started painting at age 42. 
So that should tell you that it's never too late. You know, day one is just day one, whether you're six years old or if you're 36 years old or 86 years old, day one is day one. And if it brings you some joy, Mm -hmm. the the problem I'd say for most people is they instantly get frustrated because they don't sound like Andre Segovia or they don't sound like, uh, uh, I don't know, somebody that really, Jose Feliciano or (laughs) somebody who who can actually play the guitar, you know, or Charo, whoever. Um, It's a little frustrating at first because you want to sound like the things you hear on records. You could learn, you honestly could learn three chords on a guitar or a ukulele. And there are 150 songs you could play with just those three chords. I mean, that's what I think is really inspiring is that you, um, like you're kind of the model for lots of kids take band or ballet or they do these arts or they're really, you know, an artistic child and they kind of explore all of that when they're a kid, but then you get your job you know, and you start paying the bills and adulting, so to speak, and you leave all that behind. And I think what you've done is just a real nice uh, example of you don't have to leave all of that fun hobby, you know, you can do it as a hobby and not leave all of those parts of your brain behind. Absolutely. Can I just say something about a, a period during the 80s and part of the 90s, where I always had the same day off during the week, I had a weekday off, I always had Thursdays off which, and I just thought to myself, well, I'm just going to make Thursdays my music day. So, and I worked in retail. So being off on a Thursday wasn't that weird because then you end up working on a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever. So I would get up and I would approach it like, not really a job, but I would approach it like today, I'm going to work on music. I'm going to try to get as much done as I can. And that's how I would spend my Thursdays. But I often will come home uh, after work. And even if you have a really stressful job, picking up a, a musical instrument or picking up a pencil and just drawing or there was a, a recent craze where everybody had colored pencils and they had coloring books or they used markers and just sort of bliss out on just color or bliss out on, on sounds. Um, I think it is, I think it first of all resets your brain back to being a normal, normal person because a lot of people have to ramp up so hard to get into their day and they struggle through the whole day and then they get home and they take off their shoes and they take a deep breath and then they're ready for something that's that's fulfilling this i honestly think that art and music are spiritually fulfilling it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have some sort of religious experience and the lights you know a bright light's not going to pop down on you from the sky but i think people really benefit from having something that takes them out of their day and maybe maybe out of their comfort zone but sometimes people just want i'm sure there are people that just strum their guitar and they just hum along then they go fix dinner and you know that just gets them reset to being a, just a regular person yeah i, yeah, I feel so. like this is all more important than ever too to just t- take care of yourself and take care of our brains a little bit and i feel like art and music and all of that's probably really good for our brains too well and i think that um you know i'm not an anthropologist but i believe that art and music is probably more natural for us like you know we we think about the world we live in like it's always been like this but you know, most of the jobs we've had have been invented in the last probably 20 years, but we've been doing art and music since people were people. So I think it's probably also going back to a more basic fundamental part of you to express yourself or to sing or to dance or whatever it is you do. I think it's, it's kind of re-baselining your, your brain in a way. 
Very true. And uh, the fact that, that it can be instantly distributed all over the world uh, has a kind of a profound effect on your own sense of who you are. Mm-hmm. I discovered there's a, a website called numberonemusic.com. And the part of why I did this album is because I was downloading or I was uploading to that site songs from the previous album and people were listening to them and commenting. And um, then I kind of let that go for a while. But then I started getting emails from people. Um, I got le- I got emails from Australia, from the Netherlands, from Spain, from the UK saying, when are you going to put out new music? I love the songs that you posted on here. We want to hear new songs. And I thought, I, I better get on the stick. So they kind of encouraged me to jump back in and get everything finished so that I could send them along, you know. There was a time when art and music was much more incorporated into a person's normal life than it than it became. I think that uh, a lot of young girls learned to draw and play the piano, and I think that uh, uh, a lot of guys also learned to draw and paint and and play instruments. And then at some point, we noticed that people were really good at it on the radio, and we and people let it go. It's like I'll never be, I'll never sound like that. So they dropped it in favor of just being a a listener instead of a participator. And I think that technology has made it easier now for you to be your own rock star in your own house, which is, you know, even, even if I didn't distribute this album and I just listened to it for myself, which I did that a lot for years, just made music just to play for myself. um, At least I did it. And at least I got to uh, experience the process. I love the entire process. I wanted to write the songs, produce them, play them, mix the album down, do all the artwork and send it all in myself, which is incredibly narcissistic, but it is what it is. <laughs> Every, be a narcissist, everyone. Be a rock star in your own house. <laughs> I love That's it. my message to everyone. Thanks again to Mike for being on the show today. If you'd like to learn more about his music or his art, please check out the article related to this episode at the News from the Peak section of our website. And wherever you happen to be listening, please remember to hit the subscribe button because we have a lot more great episodes on the way and we don't want you to miss a thing. We'd love to hear from you and get your ideas and your feedback. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us on the contact link on our website. News from the Peak is a project of Grace Peak Strategies and is produced by Maureen Life, David Ram, Robert Riddle, and me. You can find the podcast and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public. You can learn more about us at gracepeakstrategies.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Grace Peak, and we're easy to find on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. This was News from the Peak. I'm Joe Mamlin. Thanks for joining us. He had me at Circles Post Malone, so. (laughs) Love you, Mike. (laughs) I'd be interested to know who Post Malone listens to. Yeah, me too. I'll bet he listens to Van Morrison. I'll bet he listens to... uh, Let's find out, and that'll be our next podcast. We'll dissect uh, Posty kids these days.
just shaking their hips all over the place and <laughs> that rock and roll music. <laughs> shaking their hips. <laughs> I, I just thought Maureen should have a, a new wider vista Thank about <laughs> Maybe next week, just you and I will get on the call and we'll <laughs> just drop me an email. You you know how to get a hold of me, and we'll talk about Joe. There's actually I don't I don't have any bad stories about Joe. He's always been, <laughs> he's always been the, the person. I was telling Maureen just a little bit about it, like how I've known you for a long time and how you've always done music. And I was in, I probably have told you this before too, Mike, but there's one song that you and Chris did probably in the late eighties that I think of probably once a week. Oh dear. <laughs> Actually, I forgot, had forgotten about this meeting. So I didn't play makeup on cause I didn't think I was. So there's my- I didn't either, sorry. <laughs> I have on just a touch of concealer. <laughs> That's actually the, what I need most. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear. And whatever is done by only me is your doing. I fear no fate, for you are my fate. I want no world, for beautiful you are my world, my crew. And it's you are whatever a moon has always meant, and whatever a sun will always sing is you.